You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop. For more information about this show, as well as my other show, Enthusiasts, previously called How to Stan, visit 17caratkpop.weebly.com. And sign up for the show's free newsletter for interviews and much more at 17caratkpop.substack.com. Thank you! Hi everybody! Welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop. I'm making today's episode for two main reasons. One is because I can't shut up about TXT's album. It is incredible on so many levels that I dive into in my Substack piece at 17caratkpop.substack.com called Decoding TXT's Neverland. And I also didn't get to everything I wanted to say in the episode that was around an hour long, the name chapter Temptation Study Guide. I'm very proud of it, but it took a long time and I had to trim it from being way longer actually. So I'm making this follow-up so that I could keep that episode around an hour and move some stuff into this episode. And the second main reason for another TXT episode about this comeback is because here's your too long didn't listen version, but also some new thoughts in a new way. So if you did listen to the hour, thank you, and I hope you are still entertained by my new way of putting it. So without further ado, I present to you 17 key reasons why TXT's new album is profound in its storytelling. 17 things to look out for. You can understand how this era connects to all their previous musical eras. You can understand TXT's music video storyline if you understand and keep in mind these 17 elements of it. Let's dive in. The changing aesthetics over time. Like I talked about in that episode, in that essay, the story of Peter Pan is rooted in many representations of a contrast between a child and adult mind. And it's even given a cool analogy where the author of Peter Pan wrote about how a kid's mind is very much a bunch of colorful, vivid scribbles. Random, not in a clear order, not organized, full of tons of bright colors, just all over the place in a good way. Then, as an adult, your mind becomes more like a filing cabinet, not a bunch of scribbles on paper. It's got papers that are very orderly, each has a place, they're usually meant to have some sort of structure to the system they're filed in. TXT's evolution kind of accidentally mirrored that. They started out with the dream chapter, really emulating the mind of a child, with stories that did have an important sequential order, but in the very early days, the dream chapter star especially, they didn't. It was very random. They went for a pop-up book slash stop-motion movie vibe for a nap of a star. They went for a very Harry Potter-adjacent fantasy for Runaway. They dressed as freaking cats and dogs in Cat and Dog. And then there was the very brightly colored crown video. Blue Orangeade went for a computer screen look. The point is the aesthetics were all over the place, not a very continuous theme visually, like the mind of a child. And over time, they've taken on a lot more similarities, a lot more continued presence of certain colors, certain shades, lighting, all those subtle details still have a ton of variety. But I'm just saying their videos seem to enter a new era of subtle continuity in a cinematic way. Like each video now is part of a chapter of the bigger story. Speaking of key colors, number two is the color purple. Notably, in their very first intro teaser videos, just for intro to TXT period as a group, they each had different colors of flowers by them. Some had pink, white, red, or blue, or a combination. So shades of red and blue, you know what that makes, purple. 
The color purple has also been there since the beginning. It was the color paint Yeonjun used to paint a fantasy scene in Blue Hour, A Daydream, but that turned into a nightmare when the paint dripped all over him and he was found unconscious in a different video. Like their flowers may look purple, but were originally not, purple seems to represent for them something's not what it seems to be at first. Look past the mirage. They have a lot of purple flowers throughout the videos. Plus, in the new Sugar Rush Ride video, Hyunin Kai holds up a little purple lizard. Number three. Speaking of those flowers, remember the end of an era represented very starkly with Good Boy Gone Bad in the cemetery scenes. Note that the flowers in that video were all different colors. All the flowers thrown into the grave by all the members staring down into it together. They threw all the colored flowers. Just symbolic of the whole life they've lived so far. Just totally being buried as they become new people and start anew. Number four, butterflies. Obviously can be very symbolic of a bunch of things, positive, hope, joy, freedom, all the connotations that come with the symbolism of anything that flies, gentleness, grace, a lot of good stuff. Often also a transformation out of a cocoon into a newly blossoming individual. And they've really become super colorful butterflies of all kinds, metaphorically speaking. Remember, the butterflies that filled the scene back in Nap of a Star were all orange. Now they're in so many different colors. Remember what I said before about the more intense and vivid and colorful a scene is in TXT's videos, or just in any literary sense here with a Peter Pan-type story, the more vibrant and exciting and grand and blissful and 100% wonderful scene unfolds, the more intense it's a mirage, the more there is below the surface. The brighter one side of a scene, the darker the downside, the hidden side. So the Sugar Rush Ride video is naturally a beautiful, beautiful aesthetic scene because the dream is reaching peak vividness to them. The mirage is getting peak completeness before the high will wear off and they will see the danger and shallowness and darkness beneath it. There is no substance to this island. Number five. Any reference they make to oceans, boats, waves, sailing, bodies of water, that kind of thing. Referencing their journey, they've had lyrics before about shipwrecks and crashing ashore. Obviously, they're on an island, Neverland, in the Sugar Rush Ride video, and posed by the shore in a set of teaser pics. Also symbolic whenever they have frozen water in their videos too. Like with the Frost era in the cast chapter, when the world froze in time. And now in life, metaphorically, and maybe literally, they have to escape Neverland and learn to ride the waves and go with the flow. The opposite of water, also meaningful. Whenever something is on fire in their videos, something beautiful set aflame, like the flowers in Good Boy Gone Bad, there are flames in Puma, their beautiful memories were getting destroyed, images of happier, youthful days, destroyed at the start of Can't You See Me, and arguably most symbolic, when the doorway goes up in flames and run away. That, in my theories, that's the door that took them to their Neverland. So the door back to reality, back to the real world, up in flames behind them. There's no turning back at that point. Number seven, both lyrical and visual nods to devils, angels, spiritual forces. 
For more on this and the ways they've used that kind of terminology to talk about feeling like love was saving them so holy or feeling like a devil is creeping up on them, that kind of metaphorical discussion that I talked about at length in the full episode that's an hour about Faust and Mephistopheles, the OG stories of making a deal with the devil, this folklore they draw heavily from, always notable. And also that Yun Jun, who plays a key role in being bad in Good Boy Gone Bad, and before he has a lot of other key moments where he is the most in distress, the most compelled by evil forces. For example, he gets a scratch without that evil creature even having to lay a finger on him. He's also the one, like I said before, found dripping in purple paint unconscious. He also is messed with when he sees an old bloodied version of himself in a ditch. So evil forces are really messing with him, and he's the character then, represented with devil horns. In contrast, Hyunin Kai has angel wings in some videos, although they tend to be dark, dark angel wings, which is an interesting difference. Number eight, any reference to, speaking of wings, flying, or wings, broken wings, and still taking that leap of faith. We'll get back to that when we talk about this new album. Number nine, References to mirrors or the reflection. Obviously, in a story all about growing up, growing into oneself, and understanding oneself, the mirror symbol usage was a given. It was bound to happen. Some more overt examples are when they talk about feeling alien to themselves, with the sun maze in the mirror. The reflection's unfamiliar to them. They don't know who they are. Then in the Hate series of teaser picks for the Thursday's Child era, the mirrors were broken. The reflection once again becomes very notable in the name chapter Temptation teaser film, where they dance with the reflections after lining up these mirrors and basically crossing over to the other side to reunite with the other side of themselves. They are now ready to step into adulthood and, as they say on the album, bid farewell Neverland. Number 10. Note any reference to playing a game. They have a lot of lyrics over time to seeing life as this rigged game, that they don't feel the point in playing. In their more apathetic, screw it, life sucks eras, they lean into that symbolism of just, what's the point in trying? But whether they want to or not, the future will come knocking, and they have to try even if it feels fruitless, which is why Subin ends up with the magical die in his hand, pulled out of the dream world, back into his reality in the practice room. Number 11, Diamonds. They've referenced diamonds in several past lyrics and use that kind of terminology about how a diamond is created under a bunch of pressure. That's literally how you make a diamond. And so they will kind of turn from rubble, thrown away damaged goods into shining irreplicable diamonds. Like the one that falls to them, symbolizing like an invitation to leave Neverland. An opportunity awaits them to become a diamond in Sugar Rush Ride. Number 12, Feathers. Feathers not only are part of the angel wings, as well as the whole bird in wing symbolism, but also on their own, feathers have a lot of symbolic meaning. I linked to some reading about it, its history on my site in the January recap of releases. Other sources linked to there to read related to the themes literary-wise and stuff in this discussion. Anyway, feathers have a profound, long-term symbolism. They represent freedom, hope, strength, often spiritual growth, ascension, entering like a higher place, religiously, spiritually, good things. 
because a bird flies closer to the spirit world than a human ever could. It also often refers to connection, and a tighter connection with the spiritual world. It's apparently one of the most cited symbols you'll find in the Bible, but the reference has been incorporated into many different religions. In ancient civilizations, feathers were known to be associated with the sky that the gods and goddesses were thought to inhabit, and this Egyptian goddess, represented by the feather, Ma'at, is the goddess of truth and order. And to this day, feathers are known to represent justice, peace, good things, as a part of religious rituals, too. They've also come to represent traveling freely, just going through life in the wind, blowing wherever the wind goes, wherever life pulls you, feeling light as a result of moving beyond mental roadblocks, mentally and literally traveling. Not worrying if you have a map or a compass, but moving forward anyway, enjoying the lack of structure, embracing it carries the meaning of TXT's story that I wrote about on Substack. They're learning finally to embrace adulthood. They no longer feel so comforted in the familiarity and lack of growing up that Neverland provides. They're ready to embrace the unknown, not as scary and worth hiding from by going back to your inner child, but something to be excited about. The unknown future of adulthood is something you can treat as a cool opportunity to work without a roadmap to embrace adventure and unpredictability. They realize the stagnant life of just playing all day as a kid on Neverland no longer fulfills them. They're ready for bigger and better things. Scarier things, but better ones. They're ready to take that plunge. And by doing so, ironically, they find out they can drop a lot of emotional baggage that was holding them back in childhood. The baggage mentally stopping them from growing up. And now they can truly fly, feeling light as a feather. Number 13, Hunin Kai's close-up. He gets the last close-up of Sugar Rush Ride, and he's the one with the paradox in him, the dark angel wings. He's allowed himself to become a complex, nuanced figure, and so he is growing up, embracing the shades of gray in life, seeing things in different dimensions and layers in ways that a kid does not. Kids think more cut and dry, but he is a paradox, and he's embracing it. So for his character to be the one with the final close-up feels notable. He is an angelic cloak on a nightmarish reality. He is the ultimate representative of what Neverland represents. We also see him kind of representing this potential to develop into a more full-fledged person by allowing yourself to not have stunted growth into adulthood with him taking the steps into another world, basically, and eternally. Number 14. The endings to their songs. The ways they end their songs often just feel very perfect narratively. The devil by the window ending with a gasp for air, that's a perfect way to do it. And then transitioning into the next song, Sugar Rush Ride. Like the devil by the window, Peter Pan, with promises of a beautiful eternal childhood, actually just basically drowns them on his island. They take the plunge, and he won't let them come up for air and feel as light as a feather as they mature, because maturing is a sin in Neverland. You're not allowed to grow up. It's also a really fitting fall back to earth as they sing Fallen on Farewell Neverland. And it ends with this guitar strum that is just kind of peaceful. It just has this air of satisfaction. Like, okay, we're comfortable with our decision. The unsettling atmosphere set by Devil by the Window at the top of the album is gone by the end. And there's this sense of almost peace, but still mystery and suspense in a way, but confidence in the outro. 
the order of the track list was really perfectly done. Also because it kind of has a, a mountain and valley feel up and down like a roller coaster. You go on the Sugar Rush ride, then the more mellow Happy Fools, your lazy day lounging in Neverland, before you realize the deep, dark sadness of this place that is frozen in time. And when it dawns on them, this is no escapism at all. They're trapped. They trap themselves. That darkness starts to lure its head into tinnitus. And then they decide it's best for them long-term to leave this place ASAP on Farewell Neverland. Really wonderful, cohesive job with this concept album. Number 15. Anytime they talk about money, they've talked about it a lot in their music, about how it's disappointing, how it kind of alters your decision-making, in part just because it kind of has to practically. It becomes a bigger factor in your life, some ways unavoidably. Some feel more preventative, which seems to be a bigger source of frustration. Just social messaging, prioritizing money above other stuff. That's what seems to tick them off as they sing On Loser Equals Lover, Trust Fund Baby, about feeling like this game they've been saying about being rigged against them is exacerbated their angst because of money factoring into it too. And TXT's entire discography revolves around the question, what leaves you bankrupt? Like, literally, but also emotionally, socially, spiritually. What is leaving you bankrupt? Energy-wise, what bankrupts you? And what refills your bank account? What feels recharging to sustain you, to live on? What investments in your future are helping propel you? What are you earning? And what are you losing? What are you wasting on? That basically sums up what their journey is about. And they realize that Neverland is a sad, hollow place that can't promise anything. It can't invest in them because it's stable, it's static, it's in the present, not the future at all. So with no thought on the future or the past, they think it's a nice reprieve, a nice stress reliever to not worry about the future, but they're also then trapping themselves and being unable to invest in exciting things. And so they are left depleted with no chance to earn and grow. Number 16, the word star, super meaningful for them on so many levels, and I love that it's part of the title of tinnitus. Tinnitus and then the parentheses, want to be a rock. And the lyrics keep reiterating, I'll just be the rock in Rockstar, take the star out of it. It reminded me of that iconic, to me iconic, funny Kiki Palmer interview where she's like, if I could be anything, I would be a rock. Mess with people who step on me, be in the way, but it's a way funnier answer how she put it, but they're ready to be steady as a rock and not do much. They want to take away the star. The star in a rock star, it just is such a perfect title for their song because not only are they just being humorous like always, love their unique song titles with parenthetical phrases in when they post questions, kind of, or just prompt you to be like, what the heck? But also because it perfectly goes with their story with the word star, which is so charged for them. Because first of all, the star seekers, they are webtoon alter egos as the members of star one. Those are part of this canon as well. So it's alluding to giving up star power in multiple ways. The word star also was a key word for their first chapter, the dream chapter. So their debut days, the mind of a child days that they embraced, they're not ready to get rid of. The words associated with them are no longer having the positive connotations they once did. So they kind of represent a new beginning they want, while at the same time, they are referring to being a rock. Like, they do want to be stable just in Neverland and not have to grow up, but by taking the star out of Rockstar, they are growing up and changing their view on fame. 
It's just an interesting, ironic way to talk about their predicament. They really want to and really don't want to leave Neverland and its vices. And number 17. Any reference to social media, filters, Photoshop, a curated, unrealistic life, idealistic, unfair expectations on how you present your life to the world via social media. They've talked about this a lot before, and they do again on Tinnitus, saying, Last night was overflowing with filters. They've always been about that sense of trying to see through what is really fake, which is also why it's just perfect that their next world tour is called Mirage which is a key word in the Faust stories I talked about in the name chapter Temptation Study Guide. Quick recap then, of the 17 things to keep your eyes on to really make sense of TXT's discography. The changing aesthetics, the color purple, the flowers, references to the ocean, waves, etc., butterflies, flames, spiritual words in references to the angel, devil, mirrors, reflections, References to wings, flying, or broken wings. The diamond. Hunenkai's close-up. References to life as this game, often a rigged one. Feathers. The way they end their songs. Whenever they reference money. The word star. In references to social media, filters, etc. In unreal experience. Not real life. Not authentic. Key details to note in the Sugar Rush Ride video, which came after my primer for the name chapter came out. New things I noticed include the colorful butterflies, the diamond that falls from the sky, the purple lizard, the world being this colorful blur around them, they're swept up in the the alluring but deceptive magic, Hunenkai's close-up, the forest setting is back, which seems notable, the waterfalls in references to the boat, the shore, they're also just goofing off together like old times. In the teaser videos, which are kind of home movie style, and in the video. Bringing to mind just piggyback rides and goofing off together back in the dream chapter and in Blue Hour. When they were in their most childlike state of mind. The key flower colors for the new video, white and pink. I would also note the leaves that cover Taehyun's outfit. And Taehyun is the one who's basically then in the OG costume. Peter Pan's tunic outfit is meant to be made of leaves, in some versions of the story cobwebs, which were also part of their teaser for this era. Anyway, in this video, the leaf-covered outfit that represents being Peter Pan, basically, is what Taehyun wears as he levitates. Like, he's cosplaying as Peter Pan, and it's interesting because he's not flying. He's levitating, suspended in air, but he is not soaring. He's not living the life. He's suspended in time, just like Neverland, and they're about to find out the drawbacks of that. Something negative being beneath the surface, yet to be discovered, the unrest is hinted at, with a close-up of an eye watching them, which reminded me of the big eye in Good Boy Gone Bad. They allude to Neverland being this rosy cover over a dark reality that is pretty hollow and sad, in Devil by the Window, with lyrics about this being a wolf in sheep's clothing. They say, I scream and shout, but no one's round. There's no way to escape it. They are trapped in this place in time. And the lack of people there to help them get out is key too. Because like I said in the other episode, friendship they learn is a key tool to mature and make each other better. And so the loneliness they talk about, which they also talk about in Tinnitus, that is very meaningful on several levels. They sing, I met the devil by the window, traded my life. Temptation touched my tongue, spread the wings of desire. He's whispering, give up, don't you put up a fight. Dream on, dream on, good night. Waste, waste away in the gutter with me. 
No, I can't tell what is fake. In my reality, I see the waves wash over me. Waste away in the gutter, brought to mind the grave in Good Boy Gone Bad. And then, of course, talk about what's fake, what's not. Goes back to their commentary about social media filters and what's really a mirage. And they can't face reality yet because when they see waves, they don't see the ability to ride them. They see them wash over them and drown them. They sing about how seductive the pull of this island is, despite deep down knowing its discontents. They throw caution to the wind, go all in for the dream, fall for it once again in Sugar Rush Ride. That quick adrenaline jolt of a sugar rush that wears off and can leave you feeling really sapped. They sing, taking me inside the dream, I can't resist it. That sweet devilish smile, you open my locked door so easily. Oh my, I see the stars, the devil said. It also seems fitting that Taehyung gets the outro, where they say, You're bad, you liar. What did you do to me, sugar? This levitating character is now like, This was not what you promised me. Careful what you wish for kind of a thing. Happy Fools, featuring Coyle Ray, has lyrics with the most references to what bring to mind the childlike mentality I laid out before in Substack and stuff. Like how children process the world more based on their own needs. You just are inherently, psychologically, cognitively, more self-centered as a kid. And as you get older, a key sign of growing up is when you become more empathetic and more able to view the world outside of the self. You notice the other, not just the self. So it makes sense while in Neverland, where they can't grow up, they sing things like, I'm the center of the world, and compare themselves to Superman. They have these notable contradictions in the lyrics here about things like, I'm trapped in a sweet moment. Leave the worries to the me of tomorrow. They're trapped in the goodness. It's an interesting, ironic way to phrase it. They also say, the pleasant taste of laziness, a dreamlike, guilty pleasure. They are kind of recognizing this place is not what it is claiming to be, but they still fall for it. Shout out to my bias Yeonjun, by the way, for writing the first melody top line for the group ever, and just all of them because this song was a group effort. And side note, I don't know why, but I really like the phrase Gucci Coats and Kisses. I don't know, it feels like something. Like it belongs on a t-shirt or the name of a company or something. Gucci Coats and Kisses? I don't know, someone should trademark that. Tinnitus, aka Wanna Be a Rock, was written by Yeonjun and Taehyun. And they say, at the end of the day, feed is a disaster. Last night was overflowing with filters. The days gets louder, the empty sound is deafening, as if submerged in a fishbowl. Bruises and tinnitus fill it up, in the empty noise, feel so lonely. A noisy dawn, but a void at the end, I'm locked inside. Twinkling dream, long since it faded away. What is my existence? Give me an answer. Then they talk about wanting to be a rock to create your own rock and roll, which is a cool difference because they start out singing about just their need to get rid of the star label. And then they focus more on the rock side of it and rebranding. Shout out to Yeonjun again for working on the incredible Farewell Neverland, where they say goodbye and agree to free fall. Now in hindsight, it feels extra meaningful that TXT were beaming when they free fell, when they jumped gladly in Blue Hour. Now it makes sense, like they were experiencing true freedom, which comes from escaping Neverland, not reveling in it. 
Another notable aspect is that they realize you can't see that rainbow of symbolic colors if all you have is purple, right? If all you have is one color, you don't have a rainbow. You can't have rainbow without rain. You can't have a gloomy day without the sunshine, vice versa, too. You can't have a good day if you don't have a bad day. And in Neverland, every day is the same, so those days are nothing. They're just empty. And they need that variety, even if it's scary again. So they sing, every day is the same, a kiss from the sun that never sleeps. No one can see the stars, a paradise full of lies. My last refuge, I hope, for endless flying, trying to spit out that cruel lie, the paradise of irresponsible dreams. I'll say my last goodbye, my Peter Pan, time to fall. Interesting that they still indicate there is an inner child in them with the my Peter Pan wording. Again, the mind of a child is focused on not the your or the our, but my. Thinking about the world in just a technically self-centered way. Still there, as they say, my Peter Pan. It's also kind of a way to talk about Peter Pan in terms of just endearment. Like, they're saying goodbye, but part of them is still not parting willingly. Almost like a goodbye to a lover when you have to go away. It's made extra morally complex and emotionally complex for them to make this decision with that wording. I'm just amazed by this because in so many ways this album has so many little details that really add up to make this big, nuanced, layered, complex, thought-provoking story. From start to finish, the instrumental details, the vocals, the lyric details, the details in the visual components for this era, everything was given such care to add to the full picture. And this concept is just, I'm just so blown away by them. I also must admit a bit of personal bias here because I am a MOA, but also because, like I talked about in my NCT concert review episode, certain artist music just hits me a certain way because I'm autistic and I have very severe sensory issues. The way music kind of calms my brain and transports me to another world, basically, is kind of beyond what it would be for neurotypical people who listen to music. I appreciate music on just this other level, because I hear it differently than other people. Like, I really am transformed by it. There are a million downsides to life with the volume up on everything around you. But I also get to experience good music on a visceral, deep-seated level. And this is one of those albums. It just pushed all the right buttons in my brain to kind of help me kind of enter a trance, listening to it, zone out, immerse myself in a really compelling, cohesive story. And I love discographies that make me really think, really think deeply about them that have so many meanings to them and they have the kind of album that always does that so thank you txt your music is such a gift for me really just calms me down in an odd way even though it's high energy but it just is therapeutic to unpack it to analyze it and discover things about myself along the way it's therapeutic for me to also just hear the music that helps me with my sensory issues to just kind of zero in on one mesmerizing sound for me it's so compelling and i'm just so grateful to be living in a time where we have people like txt making music before I go, I do just want to say a quick apology. I think I accidentally said Yunjun when I meant to say Taehyun in referring to the last person to leave the scene where the door's up in flames. The one who stuck around to linger and watch that was actually Taehyun. And I realized listening back later, wait, I think I just said Yunjun because he's my bias and I guess I go to him for everything. But yeah, that was Taehyun. So sorry about that. So much more I could say, but that's enough for now. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I hope you really appreciate the work on a deeper level now. And please read my full essay. It's called Decoding TXT's Neverland. That reframes and clarifies what I talked about today and in that other episode for this chapter of their story. I will talk to you all again very soon. Bye, everybody!